Morning, team. Hope you're doing super, super well. Andy Fenton filling in for Jason Witten, uh, who is uh, out on sabbatical at the moment, uh, is in transit uh, as we speak, getting ready to go off and do some amazing work with some amazing people in amazing places. So for today, you guys have got me. So uh, give us a shout out. Let us know where you're coming in from. It's been a while since I've been on the Wealth Coffee Chat. Uh, but today we're going to talk about some interesting stuff that's been happening globally and and potentially run through some things that we can learn about it uh, and how you can ultimately position yourselves uh, in order to avoid the chaos, listen to logic uh, and make better decisions. Hey, Beck, good to see you. So whack it into the chat. Let us know where you're coming in from and uh, what you're up to this morning. I don't have my coffee, but I'll get one of the team to perhaps bring that past me in a minute. Uh, Jeff, good to see you, mate, as always. From the Philippines. Uh, and Dave, mate, good to uh, good to see you this morning. Good morning. And, uh, and Stu, mate, awesome to see you guys on board. As you jump in, whack your name into the chat. Let us know that you're out there so that, uh, no, I'm not having a coffee by myself. And uh, we'll kick into it. So, also light us light us up the chat if you've got any concerns about what's happening in the uh, in the banking sector at the moment over in the US. There's definitely been some news. Uh, the title of this is why Silicon uh, Silicon Valley Silicon Valley Bank uh, flunked Banking 101. Oh, it's amazing. Is that my coffee? Amazing. Look at that. Um, I actually had my special coffee mug too. Thank you. Um, which is back to the future because in many ways, uh, you know, some of this looks and sounds like it's a little bit uh, back to the future. Uh, we've got a number of guys joining on, so welcome all. Uh, Bryce, good to see you. We've got a lot of the uh, the Friday Wealth, Wine and Wisdom uh, regulars on here as well. Graham, good to see you. James, awesome to see you here as well. Uh, so, gang, look, there's a whole lot of stuff that's going on in regards to uh, Silicon Valley. I can't say it. Silicon Valley Bank. I always go to put the B instead of the V. Uh, and um, you know, it's unsettling for some people, and we want to provide some understanding as to exactly what's going on out there at the moment uh, and sort of demystify a little bit of the BS because I've read news articles uh, in a few different directions. And... Um, let, whack it into the chat. Does anybody know, you know, what's actually going on with the banks over uh, in the US at the moment? Silicon Valley Bank, uh, Credit Suisse has been in the, the news, but let's focus on Silicon Valley because these are the ones that are probably hitting the, the news more so than anybody else. Whack it into the chat if you can tell me why you think or why the, the newspapers are saying that uh, those banks uh, effectively blew up. If you don't know, happy days, you probably just enjoying your coffee and not stressed out about anything. And you shouldn't be, uh, I don't think. Mm, magnificent. Um, so I could in the chat if you know why, uh, but didn't hedge their bonds. Yeah, pretty much smack on the money. What you're going to be reading out there, that's um, reading the right stuff there. Uh, and we've got, I know everyone started withdrawing all their money. Don't know who though. This is that. So this is interesting. So there's a couple of different levels of this. Um, now, if you're re reading the papers, a number of the papers that are probably a little bit misinformed, 
um, are out there touting that it's a liquidity crisis. Uh, what does that mean? It means that the bank doesn't have enough money to, to give to its clients because the clients are all taking money out. And, um, and look, that's not really the case in the case of Silicon Valley Bank. Um, Silicon Valley Bank, uh, in my opinion, kind of flanked uh, b- Banking 101. And what we need to understand is when it comes to banking, right, banks, and, and let's just preface this by saying Australia has some of the best regulated banks in the world. One of the things that uh, we seem to have gotten pretty right out here uh, is the Four Pillars Policy. That was a Costello initiative um, really made uh, Australian banking system uh, one of the, 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 the best banking pillars in the world uh, and the safest system in the world. So we're very, very different to the US from that perspective. But ultimately what banks do is they, ho- they should, they should, and this is a bit of a tip as to why uh, what happened happened, they should hold a diversified portfolio of loan risk Right, and uh, and ultimately they should avoid loading up on any specific risk, like interest rate risk, as an example. So that basically saying the assets of the bank, they should avoid um, loading up in single sectors and having too much exposure to a single investment. Right now, this is the stuff that underpins the bank, uh, and what I effectively mean by that is uh, I'll grab out my pen and I'll illustrate it in a tick. But ultimately, they should they should have a diversified portfolio um, of loan risk. They should also have diversified funding sources, right? So they shouldn't be effectively giving all of their loans out to the same people. Right? These are two fundamental keys of banking 101. One, one would almost say common sense banking. Um, and Silicon Valley, uh, well, they violated both of those very, very basic rules. They had highly concentrated risk, which I'm going to take you through in a moment, and they also raised all of their money from very, very similar type of people, being crypto, Silicon Valley, tech uh, industry, which is going through a lot of challenges right now. Um, so uh, ultimately, yes, Jeff, 100% right. Um, it's okay. Biden bailed them out. Uh, no extra cost to taxpayers. The one thing I did like about it this time is at least he said instead of giving them massive bonuses, we're going to fire them uh, for the mismanagement. And it really is, it's a mismanagement. This is pretty critical to understanding when it comes to people talking about liquidity risk and, 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 uh, and uh, you know, a run on the banks, which is, this is this fear mongering that's going on right now. And I think that we need to understand what the actual ramifications and what the, the reason for it is. So uh, effectively, Silicon Valley Bank um, violated uh, two of the, the core principles of Banking 101, right? Diversify your foundational portfolio, which is ultimately the stability, the investments of the bank. Diversify that and then don't have all the same customers because if the tech sector and the crypto sector crash and all of your clients are in that sector, then um, you're going to have more people wanting to take their money out. But as I said, not a liquidity risk. And I'm going to transfer this into how you can think about this from your investing perspective in property and in shares and in you know your savings and, and how you can navigate it and ultimately how you can be, um, or you can pass Banking 101 and make sure that you're safe throughout the journey. So let's have a look at one of the big mismatches. So effectively, if we have a look at what we would call you know, the the foundational component of the 
the bank's assets, right? And that's the stability of the bank, the bank assets, right? Now, if we look at that, over 60% of that, right, over 60% was invested uh, in U.S. government securities. Now, U.S. government securities, then, then it's, they're highly liquid. So this isn't a liquidity problem. If they wanted to sell all of those um, government treasuries, that's a highly liquid market. They could do that tomorrow. The problem was they mismanaged their investments because what they did, and, and this is what we call duration risk, and as property investors, what I want you to think about is fixed term rates in property, sort of apply the same logic to that or variable rates or you know interest rate rising environment. As a matter of fact, tell me this. What are you guys doing if you own property right now? What are you doing as far as interest rates and, and planning for the future? What are you doing? Are you, are you planning that interest rates are going to remain stable and you're not going to save any more money? Are you planning on interest rates going up, so perhaps making provision for that in the future? Whack it in the chat. Tell me what you're doing. Shelley, Alison, good to see you guys coming in as well. Oh, so Alison's got one there, raising rent. Yep, so ultimately putting more money back into your pocket. Shelley says uh, planning for uh, interest rate increases, 100%. That's great foresight. Tim says building up a buffer, which I think is a fantastic idea. Uh, Julie says going up, so provisioning. Yep. There's business talk there, provisioning, meaning creating more sums, creating more cash to be able to fund potential larger liabilities. Uh, Tim saying raising rents, uh, pouring excess, pouring, uh, whoops, I've double-clicked on the same one. We've gone here. Uh, and Chris is saying pouring excess into offset accounts. Right, great. You all passed Banking 101. Um, if any one of you were running Silicon Valley Bank, uh, it would probably still be alive right? <laughs> and that's as simple as it gets. So effectively what happened, and I'll, and this gets a little bit technical, but then I'll, I'll break it down to simple terms, right? So the assets that underpin the bank, right? So when the bank lends out money, it has all of these assets. And let's just say that this is $10 billion, $10 billion worth of assets. It's allowed to lend money out of, the, of those 10 billion, whoops, I'll go the other way. It's allowed to lend money out of that $10 billion, right? But it can lend multiple times. So for every dollar, it can lend it out multiple times. So you might typically lend to, you know, tech companies or executives. I'm simplifying this. You might invest to um, individuals, so on and so forth. So you want a diversified portfolio of clients. Silicon Valley had a very high concentration risk of, of tech and uh, and 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 crypto, but the point that I'm making here is for every one dollar, you might have six to twenty dollars lent, right? Lent out in the market, right? Now what happens is you know that that provides you with money back by way of interest rates, provides you with money back, and that's how banks make money, right? But here's what happened. Those assets that they hold, 60% of those assets, US government treasuries, highly liquid, highly secure, basically guaranteed by the government. So 
um, it was less about liquidity because they could have sold all of them yesterday, but it was about mismanaging their assets because this is what they did. 60% of those assets were invested in um, US treasuries, US treasuries, and the yield on them, or sorry, the time frame was five to seven years. So that's how long they had until dur- duration, at which point in time you're guaranteed by the government to get your money back. Plus, let's just say, so let's just say it's a $100,000 bond right? and it was at a 1% yield because that's what they were. And so 1% um, or actually it was, it was much less, right? It was, it was probably 1% over the whole entire maturity. It was like 0.25%. So the the return at the end was actually only a hundred uh, only a thousand dollars, right? Because it wasn't actually one percent; it was it was like twenty uh, point two zero point two percent, right? Fast forward, you know, uh, a number of interest rate rent rises. Now you can get the same U.S. Treasuries, uh, same terms. Let's say five to to seven years. But instead of paying 0.2%, you can now get them at 3% today. So what that means, 3%, let's just say that they're five years as we did here. So 3% for five years, 3, 6, 9, 12, 15, that's $15,000. So let me ask you this. If you wanted to sell this first one into the market, would you guys pay $100,000 for that? and get a yield of 0.2% or would you go for this one and put $100,000 into that and get 3%? Which one would you go for? I know which one you're going to pick because you guys are all over it. Um, you're going to pick the second one because you're going to get more money. right? So what that means, if, if you want to sell this other one, number two, Julie, 100% correct, you're going to go for higher yield. So if you're going to buy this first one, what are you going to do? Tough call. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Tim, Tim says number three. Probably right, Tim. Yeah, 100% number three. Uh, yeah, you're going, to buy, you're going to buy the second one if you had to, right? And ultimately, if you do buy the first one, that is highly liquid in the market. No problem. We'll buy that first one, but we're going to buy it at a discount. And that discount is going to be around about 15%, right? So you're not going to pay $100,000 for that bond for the, for the, because interest rates have gone up. You're going to pay less for the bond. So this is where it gets tricky. So then, and I'm not using the exact numbers of the bank, but they're, you know, reasonable sort of ballpark. So what happened to that 60% of assets that they held, which is highly, highly liquid, highly liquid, they dropped in value by 15 to 20% if you wanted to sell them in the open market, right? So not liquidity because they could have sold it instantaneously or virtually instantaneously. They could have got their money, but they would have dusted 15%, right? If they kept that money for seven years or five years, they would have got their money back, 100% of it plus the 1,000, right? So they hadn't lost money. And this, this happens you know, with investments right across the board, you don't lose unless you sell, right? Now, or unless you buy something that goes to zero, uh, unless you buy Silicon Bank, as an example, Silicon Valley Bank. God, why can't I say that? Um, So you don't lose until you sell. 
or, or get forced to sell. And so as investors as well, the story and the learnings that we can get get from Silicon Valley Bank, there you go, got it right, uh, is to manage our risk, to manage our interest rates, to manage our outgoings, right, you know, to diversify our investments, not have too high a concentration risk, and make sure that we avoid getting into a position like Silicon Valley Bank whereby they had to start to pay money out and when the, they had to start to sell these assets, the assets that they had had s- diminished in value quite significantly, which meant that they it wasn't a liquidity crisis, no matter how much you see in, in the news out there, in my opinion, not a liquidity crisis. Um, it was actually a solvency mismatch, right? The bank became insolvent because its assets um, devalued quite significantly, and and that was the that was the reason. That's the reason why Silicon Valley Bank flunked Banking One Hundred and One. Uh, so, what do we take from it, team? Uh, as we wrap up for the day, why did they have to sell, Julie? Well, that typically what happened uh, is. Well, not typically what happened is that they were overinvested uh, in a very simple in in a single sector, right? They weren't well diversified across their clients. Uh, they were, as a matter of fact, they were they were um, basically highly concentrated to to Silicon Valley, to Silicon Valley tech companies, to to crypto. That industry has not done well, you know, over the last six to twelve months, and so they do have money going out. They also have banking. Um, metrics of which they have to uh, adhere to, right? So they have to have a certain amount of um, solvent assets on their balance sheet in order to be able to pay out to creditors uh, or to pay out to their their clients. If the clients come in and they they want money out of the bank because they've got money on deposit, they have to give them that money. And I'll talk about that perhaps uh, tomorrow or next week in one of the, the Wealth Coffee Chats. Because people start to worry about their money in the banks, right? Now, ultimately, uh, Biden's backed them. But, Julie, if they're forced to sell their assets and they're forced to sell them at a loss because they've mismanaged their risk, um, then ultimately they become insolvent. It's not a liquidity um, conversation because they could sell all of their assets. It's just if they sold all of their assets, it wouldn't be enough to to have enough capital to then fulfill on all of its obligations and that was that was the biggest issue um, that they had so it was a mismanagement and that's why they're un- in trouble here's here's the million dollar question just before well, before they go how could they how could they have better managed their risk it's an interesting question right if, how could they have better managed their risk assuming that they still bought the same assets right and this is what a lot of the funds that that I deal with have been trying to manage uh, we'll use this color and it's happening this side here, and it's duration. <laughs> they fucked themselves, Julie. Yes, 100%. That's exactly what they did. Um, if they manage their duration, and here's the thing. In business, I'm in business. If I mismanage this on a day-to-day basis, my business goes belly up. That's that's the case. goes insolvent, right? Every business owner that's listening to this, if we mismanage this sort of stuff, then, you know, we're gone. There's there's no there's no points for second place. We're, we're cactus. Uh, but we we manage it well, and that's why I say they flunked Banking 101, and I'll talk about the regulators a little bit in a minute. But if they took this five-year and they had that at one to two years, 
right? And this is what we call duration. So instead of buying bonds um, for five and seven years, which is quite a long period of time, you know, when interest rates are so, yes, Julie, 100%, you're bang on the money. Uh, shorter bond durations, which would mean that less that, that the, this 15% would be far less of a loss and potentially, whoops, that 15% would have been far less of a loss. They might have dusted 1% or 2% and they would have remained solvent. So they mismanaged this longer-term uh, treasuries issue. So when you're looking at papers about this, when you're looking at the news about this, which I'm sure there's going to be lots of uh, in the coming days and weeks, um, think about it from that perspective. And from an investor perspective, what we need to do is we need to be managing our risk. We need to go, okay, well, interest rates are, are likely still going up. We've been talking about that. How do we manage our solvency risk? How do we manage our banking 101? And you've already explained it throughout the chat. You know, we make sure that we've got good buffers. We make sure that we've got good reserves. You know, within our investment portfolio, we have diversified. You know, potentially we have properties in different states. We have shares in different parts of the world uh, and in different sectors from energy to banking um, to, you know, um, medical, so on and so forth. So some of the fundamental reasons that the, the bank failed has nothing to do with an overall banking crisis. It has to do with the bank's mismanagement of their assets and their position. Um, one thing to watch moving forward, and the, the Fed has already taken some pretty um, significant action to, to try and help out the situation. Uh, what they're doing is they're allowing banks to value uh, those treasuries at book value, which means that you know if you paid $100,000, you can value it at $100,000 in order to help shore up banks' balance sheets, not what they could sell them for today. Uh, but ultimately, you're going to see a lot of movement here. The big question for me comes, well, maybe uh, has the Fed mismanaged banking regulation 101 because they know if they continue to raise interest rates and they know they're going to in order to fight inflation, um, they need to be regulating what impacts that's going to have on banks in the US. That's, I think, the bigger question. Um, and they're already looking to sort of uh, manage these challenges uh, in how they allow banks to report, how they allow banks to uh, hold their assets and report on their assets and their solvency. Um, so there's already a number of things uh, on the way. But there'll probably be this, there'll be a lot more to talk about this in future days. Um, and really curious as to what you guys have questions about, because uh, I'm going to run a couple of these over the next week, a couple of special guests coming on for the uh, coffee chats while Jason's away. Uh, he will be popping by uh, for little cameos here and there, so stay tuned for that. But uh, shoot through your questions or load them up at the beginning of our chat so we know what they are and I can try and answer them. But for now, uh, understand that wasn't necessarily a liquidity crisis. It was a, a, a management uh, mismatch and a solvency issue that they did through poor bank management. You guys know how to manage your affairs better. Um, if only you were in charge of Silicon Valley Bank, it probably, uh, it probably would be above water right now. But uh, Humpty Dumpty, <laughs> love you, Julie. Uh, um, Humpty Dumpty, unless they change the ways they do things, 100%. And look, I think it's important for us to understand what's actually happening. The media were going to beat this up and, and say that it's the beginning of a crisis. Now, th this will have flow-on effects. And Credit Suisse 
We'll talk about that another day. Completely different issues. Two things happen close to each other. Then people, conspiracy theorists go, oh, my God, the world's going to end and the banking system's doomed. Not the case. Different reasons. Treat everything on its laurels. You know what you need to do. You need to manage your risk. You diversify your investments. Uh, you plan for a rainy day. Plan for the worst um, and, uh, and look and hope for the best, uh, but make sure that you're covered. Uh, that's it for me for today. Make sure that you build your buffer. Make sure that you manage your risk and, and diversify your holdings and, and look for the truth. Silicon Valley Bank, Flunked Banking 101. I think most of you guys would be better at the helm. Uh, great having a little coffee with you guys this morning and look forward to hanging out a little bit more. Let me know if there's anything that you want to talk about um, and I'll catch you over the next few mornings. See you, gang. Have a wonderful day. Thank you.